Welcome to The Everyday Creative, a podcast that encourages creation over consumption. I'm Emily, a certified health education specialist. And I'm Evie, a licensed art therapist. And together, we talk about ways everyday people can incorporate creativity into their lives in order to consume less and create more. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to the podcast, everybody. I'm Emily. And I'm Evie. And today on the Everyday Creative, we're talking about the qualities of creative people, how to tell if you have them, and then what to do to get them. So we're just going to dive right in. First, we've got patience. Patience. So what makes that important? when it comes to creativity and having qualities of creativity. So I think what makes it important is the fact that this this isn't just going to come overnight, especially if it's something that requires a skill. Um, I think you have to give yourself the time, not only in your everyday life, but the the time over time to actually see how creativity shows up in your life. Right. And I've worked with a lot of clients, a lot of people who, um, as an art therapist, we talk about developing creativity and we talk about what is needed. And we talk about how creativity is a muscle. It's not something that just you have automatically. Although creativity is an eight, if we don't use it, it tends to get a bit rusty. So the people I work with are late teens, early adults who have not focused on creativity. So we talk about giving yourself the time to develop that. So I think part of it is adjusting your expectations whenever you first start a creative endeavor and recognize that you're not going to be the best. You're going to make mistakes it's not going to be good. It's going to be challenging. So I think adjusting your expectation to allow you to go through that learning process Mm -hmm. and just sitting with it. So I think you have to be patient with that aspect of it and give yourself some time and give yourself a little leeway there. Right. That whole showing yourself some grace concept. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Some compassion and being patient with the process. Yeah. So the next one, I'm just counting this as one thing, but I think it can be like three separate things, but it's drive, discipline, and grit. And those those to me are basically the same thing, but there are a lot of people that differentiate them, but I kind of think they're all, they're differentiated by time frame. So drive, that's what you need in the beginning it's that initial spark of motivation. It's kind of what gets you out of bed in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then... So you have to have that initial goal and something you're striving towards right. or drive. Right. Yeah. Drive is going to be like the goal that you set kind of thing. Okay. Uh, discipline, that's kind of the part in the middle. That's the routines, the rituals, the schedules. So I think with discipline, those are your, I think they're called like behavior goals. So it's like the things that you do, it's the actions that you take to get to the main goal. We can kind of come back and talk about how to have more discipline. But then thirdly, you've got grit. So that's the end. Mm -hmm. That's when the going gets tough. That's like you're almost to the finish line, but you've got to kind of gut it out and that that would be grit. So Yeah, that's like digging your heels in, mm-hmm. hanging on whenever you feel like you want to quit. Yeah. And so that's just my own interpretation of of what those three words are. But it's all kind of like a form of perseverance. The same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so how do you get each of these qualities? So I think drive, that's going to be – it needs to spark your interest first, mm-hmm. you know, and then doing that goal setting. I don't want to go through smart goals. I think 
you can, if okay. you don't know what. I think we've what, talked about that a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, we've talked about goal setting before and SMART goals. You can look up SMART goals. It's basically the way that you set a goal yeah. and it gives you like, it's an acronym for how to set goals. Yeah. So that that's easy to find on the internet. But yeah, I think having mm-hmm. a goal is going to be the best way to get that initial spark of motivation. Yeah. So you have to set an intention for what you want to do. Right. And basically, you have to know what you're interested in by knowing your values and what you want to actually spend time doing. Right. And then okay. discipline. This comes, I think, more naturally to some people than others. But I also think it depends on what it is, too. I don't think sure. a, like a person that's disciplined in one area of their life isn't necessarily going to be disciplined in all the other areas. Absolutely. Yeah. You see this a lot in like teenage years because you have people, you know, you have like the formal school system Mm -hmm. and there's some people who just don't care about what it is that they're learning. And yet there's other areas that they might be more interested in and you can see them spend hours and hours on this particular thing. So you just can't attribute like certain behavior. Right you know, like this is the way this person is. If they're just not interested in something, they're of course not going to take the time and the effort to develop discipline around that. Right. I think one way to have more discipline, especially if it's something that like maybe you need to do, but you're not super excited about it or not internally motivated is to, Mm -hmm. to know yourself better. And one way to do that is through the four tendencies framework. This is a Gretchen Rubin thing. I think I've mentioned her before. In fact, I know I mentioned her before. She's... Yes, you have. Yeah. I really love her stuff. But Mm -hmm. what this framework centers around is what your um, kind of like your accountability framework, your, your expectations. So... She's got four different types. You have the upholders. They will meet any expectations, both internal and external. So if they have set a, a goal for themselves, they'll they'll meet it. If somebody else expects them to do something, they'll they'll do that too. Then you have your questioners. They're internally motivated. So if something makes sense to them, then they'll do it, but they won't have external accountabilities unless it makes sense to them then I think that one's me yeah I feel like I'm a lot like that right then you have your obligers and those are the people that only meet outer expectations so those to me that almost makes me think of like moms because moms will do things for like their family and kids, but they won't necessarily do anything mm-hmm. for themselves. You know, so you're talking about moms in general, not our mom. Right. Yeah. Just, just okay. the mothers as a whole. I yeah. think that that brings out a lot of that. I mean, obviously that's not going to be all moms, but that type of sure. that it's that behavior. Is that, that's what that makes me think of. And then mm-hmm. you have rebels and they won't meet anybody's expectations. Mm-hmm. So, that one I think gets tricky when it comes to like discipline. But I think that is one way to figure out discipline for a particular for for a particular thing. So it's good to know where you're at mm-hmm. in terms of what it is you're trying to accomplish, I suppose, because I can see someone what's the second one you said? The second one was questioner. So first one is upholder. The questioners. Yeah, second one's questioner. I can see a questioner have trouble in a like an agency, like a job where you have a boss that tells you to do something and you're like, Well, that doesn't make sense, you know. Right. And they don't meet expectations because they're constantly questioning what people are telling them to do and not actually meeting deadlines and things like that. Right. Well, and that's why it's important. Like if you're in a, like in a boss or like a leadership position to kind of have an idea of what your people are. So then Mm -hmm. when, like if you do have a questioner in your group and they're asking a lot of questions, you need to make sure you answer them because that's going to help with their motivation. Mm -hmm. And when you explain the why behind something, rather than just Oh, well, we do this because we do it. Right. Like when uh-huh. you explain the why, it gets that person on board. 
Yeah. And you can also know how to create teams that way mm-hmm. because you wouldn't want a, a whole team of rebels, you know, because they're just going right. to fail. So having a mixture of those, they can hold each other accountable and also offer varying perspectives. Right. Okay. So I think that sums up discipline. It's a topic that's near and dear to my heart. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, so lastly, we've got grit. So how do we get more grit? So grit really, I think comes in when you just want to quit whatever it is that you're doing and you're questioning whether or not it's worth it. And I've certainly had experiences like this. So basically I got my degree in psychology and continued until I specialized as, as, an, as an art therapist, but I wasn't actually working as an art therapist in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I was a mental health counselor and that transition from school to actual practice was very challenging for me because at that point I had to know what I was doing and I had to work with people. Mm-hmm. And that was difficult because it was, I, whenever I was going through it, I felt like it was like learning a lot of different languages all at once because you're having to work with a bunch of different people and adjust your strategy and your approach depending on how that person was and what they wanted and needed. Mm -hmm. And there were times where I just really wanted to quit. I remember talking to mom about this like so many times just because it was hard and I wasn't sure if it was something that I wanted to continue doing. But at that time, I really had to ask myself, you know, what's important to me. And then also like, what else are you going to do? If you're not going to do this, then what is it? Because regardless of what it is you're doing, there is going to come a time where you have to employ grit because it's not easy. And in order to get really good at something, you just have to stick with it. You just have to work on it. And that makes me think of is it Malcolm Gladwell, the 10,000 hour rule? So he thing? popularized that didn't come from it. him. Yeah, that's right. It didn't come from him. But who was the original? I, I would have to Google it. I, I don't oh, remember. Oh, man. If you I, said it, I, I would. It is like right on the tip yeah. of my tongue. It was some behavioral psychologist mm-hmm. that that coined that like you have to put in the time and the hours and the effort in order to become an expert at anything. Right. And so there's, regardless of what you do, there's going to come a time where you question whether or not it's worth it. Yeah. And for me, this is something that I had to develop because I remember growing up, like there would be things that I started and I would quit a week later. Mm -hmm. That's always been my natural pattern because I would get bored of something or there would be something else that I wanted to try. And I remember specifically with piano, mom had a friend that taught piano. And so I went and I did the whole piano thing. And, you know, not even two, three sessions later, I quit. And mom, because she had so many things going on and three other children to worry about, she was never one to force us, right, make us or even encourage us to continue whatever it is we started. Right. And so I never developed that skill. So you're blaming mom. Until now. That's what I took out of that. I'm saying (laughs) I'm not blaming mom. I am saying that that is something that I realize now as an adult that I never, never really had to work on because it wasn't ever something I was aware of. Yeah. Do you think that's natural or do you think that is something that is developed in childhood? Because I mean, what kid is going to stick with something that they don't want to do? It depends. I really think there are some kids that have that internal drive and enjoy the challenge and just stick with it. I think of that anytime I see kids play instruments. Yeah. I don't know where the spark or what the spark comes from. I don't know really what it takes. I think for some people they are they are driven by the challenge and by accomplishing, you know, are improving on something. I just didn't have that. You think some a kid is recognizing that at five years old? I don't think they're consciously recognizing it. Like, oh, I'm getting better at this. <laughs> I think maybe it's a combination of them being encouraged by the people around them. But yeah. also I think it has to do with reward and whether or not they're motivated by reward. Like people complimenting them or encouraging them or you get to go to mcdonald's after every after every i mean that could be it could be 
Yeah. It could be that. I don't think it's always that though. I don't think it has to be something tangible like that. Yeah, that's true. But I certainly think there are children who have a little bit more of that naturally. Okay. Like motivated by challenge, basically. I also wonder how much maybe it has to do with how good their teacher is at making things fun or like I think that's part of the soccer coach because you're not gonna do drills with you know three-year-olds they're just gonna kick the ball Mm -hmm. around you know so I I think think that's that's part of it yeah because I don't I don't know I don't know if I wholeheartedly agree with like a really young child being motivated just for the sheer challenge of it but I don't know I've Literally no, done. no, I wouldn't say it's for the sheer challenge of it. I think there's, I think there's other things that are motivating mm-hmm. about something. I think it's a combination of their parents' involvement and encouragement in it. Mm-hmm. I think it's the teacher, and I also think it's their level of wanting to please, mm. and also enjoying the activity itself. Yeah. Okay, I can get on board with that. Okay. All right. So what's your experience with grit? I mean, I have a similar a similar thing. And I think I'm still dealing with it because I've started all sorts of hobbies, careers, and things like that. And I I still don't think I'm necessarily good at the grit part. I'm still working well, on it. What do you feel like you've what do you feel like you've really stuck with? That, for the longest. That's my point, nothing. <laughs> I would disagree. I think you've definitely stuck with fitness for a large part of your life. Well, yeah, but I feel like I haven't, like whatever it is, like yes, my own personal fitness, yes. I do go to the gym or do some sort of physical activity five, six days out of the week. Yes, I do that. Mm-hmm. But I also think like, it's that next level that has always been difficult for me and like all the different aspects. Like we can go back to the first time that I was in college with, I got a degree in finance, but instead of like taking it to the next level, doing some sort of internship or yeah, doing all like whatever it is you need to be like financial, whatever, I didn't do any of that. Instead, I just Mm -hmm. stayed in my current job and worked my way through management. And then again, like with the nutrition stuff, um, you know, I went and got a degree in nutrition. And instead of, you know, taking that next step, doing the registered dietitian, you know, I I didn't. I tried to do whatever it was I could with just the level of education that I had, you know. Mm -hmm. So I, I think I have struggled with that. And like I'll see that with my hobbies too. Uh, like my latest hobby was soap making. I did that for a little while and I'm actually, I'm actually going to get back into it, but then it's like figuring out how to get all that stuff better, you know? Uh Uh-huh. And I think part of the challenge there is like there being something that you are so interested in, you know, I think that's a big part of it. And for me, I think that's been the difference because I told you like there's, nothing that I've really had grit on except for focusing on psychology. Mm -hmm. And the reason I never left it is because I was always interested, at least in learning about it, Mm -hmm. not necessarily applying it until now, but until this point, I've always been interested in learning about it. And so that's why I thought, well, if I leave this, what else am I really interested in enough to, to do anything with it? So I think that's a huge part of it. And that comes back to, again, self-awareness and knowing what it is that you care about. Yeah. Wow. We've been talking about grit for a while. Um, I think everybody should check out the book Grit by Angela Duckworth. That's a really good resource for that stuff. Mm-hmm. The power of passion and perseverance. So next up, the next quality we have is curiosity. So this one's important because you have to ask questions. In order to be creative, you have to look around, ask questions, get curious about your world, about what you want, about whatever the topic is. 
Yeah. And I think just taking the time to even realize that you have a question, because I think some people just get so wrapped up in daily life, they don't stop to to think that, oh, I wonder what makes this so, you know? They don't realize mm-hmm. that they've thought that, you know, every time that they've yeah. driven by something, like, why is that there? What is that? Kind of thing. Yeah. We get so caught up in the day-to-day and, like, accomplishing whatever it is that we're working on and just focus on what we're doing that I think we aren't even aware when we have questions yeah. and giving yourself a minute to honor the question and think about it and ponder on it for a little while. Yeah. I think that one's pretty easy to to grasp. Yeah. So the next we have mindset and I think specifically like being open-minded and having a mm-hmm. growth mindset. So Carol Dweck is the the scientist that's done a lot of work on mindset. She has a, a book. I should have put it in the notes here. I can't remember what her book is, but it's talking about fixed versus a growth mindset. So how to have a growth mindset. So basically, this is walking into any situation with the idea that you can learn something. Um, it's the belief that no matter what your circumstances, you're capable of learning. So this relates to brain plasticity Mm -hmm. and that even though we get older, your brain still changes and grows with every stimuli. And sometimes we walk into a situation and we think that we know that. So for example, psychology is my field of expertise. Mm -hmm. So if I was going to go to some continuing education thing with this idea of like, I pretty much got this licked. Like I've studied trauma front and back. I can't possibly learn anything else from this person who's studied trauma. So that automatically creates a fixed mindset. So a fixed mindset means that you're closed to any potential for learning. So in order to have a growth mindset, you have to believe that regardless of how much you quote unquote know, going to a lecture and hearing the same information with that mindset, you can still learn something. Yeah. Like I think of it when it comes to kids and like how to talk to your kids about things like that. Mm -hmm. If your kid made good grades, instead of saying, oh, you're so smart, it should be more like, wow, you worked really hard. Right. Because people think of, of intelligence as like a fixed trait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think because of that tendency, we believe that some people are just naturally smart Mm -hmm. or intelligent and they just have these qualities but we put a lot less stock into the effort behind it right when really regardless of your natural tendencies you always have the ability to to grow a skill Mm -hmm. and so it's more about the process and the effort than it is about the final product so I think as a society we could do a little bit better with that yeah yeah and I think the the way that The way that relates to creativity is when you're open-minded, you're not only like taking more things in, which I think helps with creativity because you see the ideas and you see the things that are out there, but then also with that growth mindset piece, you don't have to think, well, I'm either creative or not creative, Mm -hmm. you know? Right. So you're like, you know that you can work on creativity and treating it more as a skill rather than like a fix. Right. Trait. And that's why whenever I talk about this in my work, I talk about creativity as a muscle mm-hmm. because people know that muscles grow. Yeah. So creativity is the same way. So having that open mindset, that growth mindset, you come in with the belief that, okay, I can improve on this. So naturally, someone with a growth mindset is going to embrace challenges because challenge gives you an opportunity to learn and to improve. Mm -hmm. That's how you learn. So challenges aren't something to fear or something to avoid. It's something to embrace and use it as an opportunity to improve on that, that area of creativity. Yeah. That brings us to being observant. So I feel like these three are sort of related, curiosity, mindset, and being observant. So I feel Mm -hmm. like 
curiosity is it comes into play whenever you're being observant. Like if you're taking a walk, you need to be observant and you need to be curious about what you're observing. Yeah. So when you do that, you're looking for inspiration and you're being open-minded to the possibility of inspiration. So I can't remember where I heard this, but I think it was like, it was actually a scientific study where they found that people that are lucky or that call themselves lucky are really just more observant. Mm -hmm. So like they see the money on the ground, they recognize an opportunity or something like that. Of course, that's not the only, there is a lot about luck, probably 90% about luck that is completely outside of your control. But I think that is also one quality of being lucky is just being observant and aware of what's Mm -hmm. going on around you. And yeah, that definitely plays into creativity as well. Right. So how can we be more observant? So to be more observant, I feel like you need to be intentional. You need to start with purpose. So we have some examples of how to do that. And one is setting something that you can be observant about, like people watching, for example. Yeah. So like when you're in the airport – Just watch the people doing like an adult scavenger hunt or an adult version of I Spy. Just be like, I'm going to find everyone with blue pants. Yeah. So, or it could just be based on like your endeavor of interest. Like if you're a writer, like Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to find the next character for my book or something like that. Yeah. I've actually suggested this to clients when I worked in, actually I've, I've done it in a few different settings with uh, different individuals, but some people have a challenge with socialization. Mm -hmm. And so they want to be cool or they want to have more friends or they want to be able to talk to people. So I've actually had them people watch as a, um, as like homework for Mm -hmm. them to observe people who seem to be at ease in social, social situations. So they're looking for, you know, what is their body language? How do they act in social situations? What are they doing? And then come back and talk to me about what that was like. So I think this can be very purposeful and very intentional depending on what your goal is. Yeah. As far as a couple of other activities, have you heard of forest bathing? No, I can imagine what that might be, but... Yeah, I I mean, (laughs) it's not quite as literal as it sounds, but basically you're going on a walk in nature and it's like, it's a very slow walk. So it gives you time to pay attention to every single thing around you. You're paying attention to the noise. You're paying attention to the sky above, the ground below, the flora and fauna. Mm-hmm. So these can be, you can do these yourself, obviously, but there's also like you can pay for guides. Mm-hmm. This reminds me of mindfulness, like going on yeah. a mindful walk, walking slowly and noticing all the sights and sounds, like tuning into your senses, sight, smell, sound, and touch. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Okay. And then a sound walk that works kind of the same way where you, And this doesn't have to be in nature. I actually think it might be easier to not do it in nature. But Mm -hmm. like you hone in on a sound and you find the origin of the sound. But then I've also seen it done in a different way where there was actually this park in um, where we used to live in upstate New York and they had a sound walk. And I actually Mm -hmm. think they set it up during the pandemic if I remember correctly. But you can like tune in to I don't know if it was like a a radio station it might have been like a podcast or like their website or something but you like tune into that and it takes you through the park and it's playing like music and stuff like that as you walk through so that's a different another version of like a sound walk yeah Mm -hmm. okay and lastly we have here taking a photo a day So I feel like this can be really helpful in being more observant because it's, again, intentional. And Mm -hmm. in order to be a photographer, I feel like you have to be observant and you have to have an eye for beauty or at least 
intrigue or interest. So you're looking for something that's interesting or something that's beautiful and you're capturing that. I've once had this as an assignment when I was in grad school. I think I've had this trying to remember if it was grad school or undergrad because I remember having a photography class where we took a photo a day and it's interesting what you can notice if you actually have the intention of taking a photo. Right. I would think you'd be looking at the world a little bit differently. Yes. Yes. So I think that's really fun and that's something I might actually do again just for fun. Maybe we should make that our challenge for this week. We'll discuss it in the four cues. Okay. We might make that a bonus. Yeah. So any other ideas? I think that kind of wraps it up on the observant piece, but that brings us to playfulness. Okay. This is not my area of expertise here. Certainly not mine either, because when you think of playfulness, at least for me, I think of children. And I don't think either of us are experts on children. I've certainly worked with children, but um, not. I did not voluntarily do that. Yeah. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is getting on a playground, swinging on the swings, climbing trees, which I definitely still do. If I see mm-hmm. a set of swings and, of course, no children are around, I don't want to upset anyone, but I, I will go <laughs> swing on some swings. Yes, I've done that. I've done that recently. Yeah. Um, I think this relates to creativity in that we've talked a little bit about creativity as being innate. And typically children tend to be more creative because that's part of the development and the learning process. And the world hasn't shut them down. Exactly. That was my next, (laughs) like, (laughs) as children, we also don't really care or are thinking about what other people think and like judgments of other people. And so they're a little more open to being playful, even if they look stupid or are silly or make mistakes or whatever. So I think that relates to creativity and that it almost allows you to be more open-minded in trying out new things. And playfulness, it doesn't necessarily mean jumping and you know, climbing trees and being on the playground necessarily. It just means trying new things. Right. Because I think playfulness comes with it. The Like you think it's a physical thing. There's a physicality to being playful. But it doesn't necessarily have to right. be. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think part of this too is that as we grow up, we tend to be less creative because sometimes we're carrying a lot of burden of judgments of other people and we're always concerned about what other people think and like how to behave in certain situations but if you don't take yourself so seriously then it opens a door for that playfulness and I think that playfulness allows you to be more creative yeah do you have any recommendations for like how someone can ease into this playfulness thing because I I really am not sure I can relate this to art therapy because this is what we work on. I work Mm -hmm. on this with clients. And when it comes to art making specifically, using materials and sometimes I bring out materials that people haven't used before, like oil and chalk pastel and um, 3D materials like Play-Doh or model magic, that kind of thing. So playfulness comes in by not going in with an intention or an expectation, but just playing with the material and just seeing what comes out of that. Yeah. That's a good idea. So it's just like testing something out. Yeah. I don't know. My suggestion would be to find a set of swings, climb a tree. I think that's a good one. I think that's a great one. I try to bring that into my own life. Or like if there's an open area of grass, my Mm -hmm. first thought is like run and do a cartwheel cartwheel yeah I always want to do that or like handstands whenever I sing see like a nice big field it's so inviting I agree I I will say we're on the smaller side of the adult spectrum so a swing set would support us where 
maybe that's not for everybody. I don't know how safe they oh, make those things. Oh, that's what you mean. I, at first yeah. I was like, what do you mean by the smaller side of the adult spectrum? Like <gasps> we don't have children. So, yeah, no, or no. yeah, I see like physically small. Yeah, physically So small, it can actually yeah. hold us. Yes. Right. That's important to consider. It is important to consider. That's why I think getting away from like the physicality part of playfulness, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, with your different materials and things like that might be a better option. Right. I do think playfulness is really more of an open sort of definition. Yeah. It's not just physical. This reminds me of something that I read or, or heard. I'm not really sure now, but like for people with little kids to be more playful with little kids is almost like let them be follow the leader. So when they squat down, you squat down. Like when they're just toddling around, of course they don't know you're playing follow the leader with them, but you do everything Mm -hmm. they do kind of Mm -hmm. thing. So that gets you in maybe a more playful mindset. It gets you some movement and things like that. That's a good idea. Yeah. Like using children to like re-spark that innate Mm -hmm. creativity. Yeah. That's fun. And I also think that's helpful for the child in like gaining leadership skills. Yeah. Or like building confidence kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Mm-hmm. So next and our final one is being knowledgeable. And this specifically says technical knowledge. So what do you have to say about this one, Em? So I think that that depends on what the creative endeavor is you can get or employ all all of the other six qualities and get a good grasp on creativity and start to become more a more creative person without having any technical knowledge about anything and then like maybe once you figure out what specifically you want to be more creative about then you can gain that technical knowledge but yeah I don't necessarily think that you need it Maybe not starting out. Right. Yeah, it's definitely not. You don't need it day one. Can you think of a creative endeavor that you wouldn't need technical knowledge about? Like, do you have an example of that? So that just makes me think everyday life problem solving. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it would be like, I don't know, like if, well, this doesn't really work. But like in the kitchen, if you were out of something or maybe you didn't have a specific tool like replacing that with something else, but that does almost take technical knowledge. So that's not such a good example, but like, I agree with you though. Yeah. With like, if there's not a specific creative endeavor, right. If there's not like, okay, I'm setting out to be the best singer or to hone in on my skills of being a snowboarder, that kind of thing would take technical knowledge. But if you're just, In terms of our definition of creativity, which is connecting, it is problem solving, Mm -hmm. and and that is day-to-day life. So if it's not a specific skill and it's just like everyday creativity, like we're really encouraging, then it doesn't take technical knowledge about that specific skill. It just requires you to be observant and like connect the dots. Right, exactly. And that's kind of what I mean by not not necessarily having the technical knowledge, but yeah. And in other areas, like if you're trying to make a scientific discovery, then yes, you might need to know Mm -hmm. something about science. Right. And this makes me think of too, about the, the bit about discipline and grit, like that Mm -hmm. is relating to developing a specific skill and a specific creative endeavor. So in that regard, it is, eventually you need to increase your knowledge on that particular subject. Yeah. Well, I think that closes out the qualities. So let's, let's recap. So we ended up with seven. We've got patience. We've got that persistence block, which was drive, discipline, and grit. We've got curiosity, growth mindset, being observant, being playful, and then having technical knowledge. Okay. So that brings us to our segment on the four cues. We have our question, and that is, what is your strongest creative quality? What do you think, Em? 
I think my strongest creative quality is, I, I think I would have to say it's going to fall within that persistence category, most specifically discipline, because I am about certain things I can be pretty disciplined. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah. I think you've always been um, an organized person and you have just naturally developed routines and schedules. You've always been a planner. So I would certainly agree with that. That yeah. is, even if, you know, the focus changes, I think naturally as a lifestyle, you're very organized and very routine. I do love a good routine. I do. Yeah. <laughs> what is your, you think your strongest creative creative quality? I would have to say mindset. I consider myself to be pretty open-minded. Like I don't ever go into something thinking I know everything. And that's one of the things that I start with whenever I, I have groups, art therapy groups with individuals. I don't go in there thinking that I know it all. And I'm even in that situation where I am mm-hmm. the leader, the facilitator, I say I'm, I'm here to learn as well. Like I have an opportunity to learn even though I'm facilitating the group. So I consider myself to be very open-minded and non-judgmental yeah. of myself and others. Yeah, I would agree with that. I definitely see that in you. And I think that has become even more true the last the last few years. All right. So then we have our quest and that is for you all to identify a quality that needs some work and use one of the strategies we've talked about to improve it. I think I also like adding in the idea of taking a photo a day. Oh, yeah. yeah I do, too. I think me. that's a good idea. And that can help be more observant. Like, what quality What quality would you work on? Like, what do you think is your, your weak um, point there? I think there's a few areas that I could work on, I think. I think observance is one that I could work on. I think I'm pretty observant. I, especially whenever I take a walk, I like to notice plants and Mm -hmm. I also like to feel leaves because I, I'm a really Mm. tactile person. And so I like to feel the texture of leaves and find the ones that are soft, but I think I could always improve on that. But I think just lifelong goal is developing more of what you're good at, which is discipline and grit. Yeah. I think my grit needs a little bit of work. So Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see. There's a project I'm working on right now. We'll see if grit takes me all the way through. Maybe you and I should identify our our hard things. Like identify one hard thing we're working on. Oh yeah, that comes from the book by Angela Duckworth in Grit. One of oh, okay. her family, her family, everyone is responsible for having one hard thing. And one of the rules is like, you can't quit it until it comes to its natural end. So for example, her, her kid was in soccer. You can't quit soccer in the middle of the season. You have to wait till the end of the season. So I think that's a great way to develop grit. Yeah. Like identifying that one thing, one specific thing that you're working on and stick with it. Yeah. I think as you get to be an adult, a lot of times it's difficult to find what the natural end to something is. Yeah, it can be. And that's why I think you have to, even if there's not a natural end, I think you have to create one. Yeah. Depending on whatever it is that you're focusing on. Okay. Well, do you have a hard thing? Do you- um, Actually, that just what I just said made me think of one, and that is my hard thing that I have been working on is developing a curriculum Mm -hmm. for um, consciousness that I use in art therapy with uh, individuals that I work with in prison. And that's been a hard thing that I've been working on. But that actually, so whenever you have a job and whenever you have a career, there is no natural end. And that's been the hard part with like sticking with this, sticking with therapy, because I'm like, am I just going to do this forever. (laughs) And so whenever I'm doing therapy with people and individuals and there's not an end, it makes me question like, what is the goal? What are we working towards? What is going on? Like what is actually happening? And so developing that three month curriculum has not only focused 
the goals and intentions, but it's also created a, an end, which helps me to like bring something to a close and then restart again. Yeah. So it really helps to have that start and stop place for me, which is why I liked school so much is because school yeah. had that natural end and then you can kind of catch your breath and then start over again. Yeah. So I've had to create that in my career. Yeah. Do you have a hard thing? I do have a hard thing. So okay. mine is the dietetic internship that I, it actually starts like officially starts in September but the lead up to it, like there's all this stuff that you have to get together. So I feel like I'm actually in it and working on it now. And because this is a school type thing, there is going to be a natural end to it. So mm-hmm. it's 35 weeks from whenever the start date is. I think that's sometime in May. So it's like I've got a full year of of a hard thing that I'm working on. So so yeah. But then that's I think- this fits into like my natural pattern where I'm like doing the structured part of it, like the school part of it. But then I think my real hard thing is going to be afterwards. It's going to be finding that job or creating that career. So that's also stuff that I'm working on in the background, you know, like Mm -hmm. getting my website set up and all that stuff. So yeah, yeah. Okay, so we'll have to check back in with yeah. that. That's yeah. a long-term hard thing and then then the then the real hard thing. Right. So yeah, we'll keep checking back in. Maybe we'll do like a monthly check-in on all of yeah. our on all of our quests. So that brings us to our quality creativity. Em, I think you had something that you wanted to share. Today. I do, and I actually think this will be very helpful with your hard thing. It okay. is a website or maybe it's like software. It's not really software because you don't download, but it's a website called Focusmate. And this helps people with accountability and with focusing whatever, with whatever like project that you're working on. So basically what it is, is it's, it's a digital calendar system that pairs you with someone else anywhere in the world. So you like pick a time in your time zone. Like I want to sit down at eight o'clock on the, in the morning and work on X, whatever thing. And then it pairs you with somebody else. And at that time you log into the program, you have your video that comes up, you have the video of the other person. You spend maybe one minute introducing yourself and then talking about what your goals are. And then you mute or you, some people, I think everybody mutes themselves. I, I know I wouldn't want to listen to somebody else breathe, but right. so like every, you mute, the timer starts, you work for 50 minutes. That person is just like on the camera in the background. You can kind of like minimize the screen and make it really tiny to where it's not taking up your full working area if you're working on the computer. And then you go about your business at the end of it. The timer goes off, you check in with that person and you, um, you update each other on how you did and, and yeah, that's it. And then you, you Hmm. get off, like there's no chatting about anything, which I really kind of like, cause like I could see you people doing this with a friend, but then you would like spend time chatting. I wonder if it eventually just cuts you off. I wonder if it just cuts you off if you like, if you do gab at the end I'm I'm not really sure I'm not really sure how that works because I've I haven't done it I don't have time to chat mm-hmm. and that's not the point of that right and everybody yeah. kind of has an understanding of that and of course there's community rules like don't be naked which that's yeah a good rule but good you rule. you know somebody tried to violate that like day one I'm sure yeah got some flashers online for sure so yeah, it's uh it's been really good so far. I've I've done you can do 3 sessions a week for free and I use that up quicker than I thought I would. I was like, "Oh man, I'll do this oh, really? once and it'll be good." But I did, I've done like a session every day. Huh. So, and then it's pretty cheap to get unlimited sessions, it's only $5 a month. Like I don't see 
why aren't more people using this? Yeah. I mean, if you you have a goal to focus more and you have a challenge with that, especially working from home, mm-hmm. this could be a really good tool. But it does seem like it would be awkward. And it it really was at first, but you get over that very quickly. Yeah. You, you really do. Mm-hmm. Like after the first session – and even like like five minutes into the first session, you almost forget that the other person is there. Right. And then, you know, this with my second and third sessions, it wasn't even a big deal. Like it wasn't weird to introduce yourself or anything like that. But but yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's good and stuff. And I wonder if it's is it just pairing you based on time? Like the time that you're signing in? It so seems you like might it. be paired with someone doing something completely different. Oh, yeah. It has nothing to do with what you're doing because you don't have to like you type it in when you when you go to schedule your session, you you type in what you're going to do, but they don't share that with anybody. Hmm. It's just I think that's more of like the setting your intention piece. Okay, I've said this is what I'm going to work on. So I'm going to work on this. But yeah, it, it could literally be anything like it used the example of okay if you need to organize your closet just let the other person know that you're doing that you might be popping in and out of the screen but yeah it could be anything that you've been procrastinating on or you just need dedicated time to sit and focus yeah that's certainly a challenge and I can see that being useful because it it creates structure around something that wouldn't otherwise be structured yeah yeah, and I think like it's a creative way to, home, doing to solve homework. problems. Yeah. Right. That is a good idea, though. Yeah. It's a creative idea in itself. Yeah. All right. That brings us to our quote. Why don't you take us out with the quote? Okay. So this one is by Steve Jobs. Creativity is just connecting things. Whenever you ask creative people how they did something, they feel a little guilty because they didn't really do it. They just saw something. All right, that brings us to the end. Thank you all so much for listening. Be sure to reach out if you have questions, comments, anything like that. We love to hear what you're up to. So thank you so much and have a creative week.